Hello and welcome to another episode of the Be Bullish podcast. I'm Alex Ely, CIO of the U.S. Growth Equity Team here at Macquarie to talk about the equity markets, what's working, what's not, where we see things going forward. Um, today uh, with me, I have Jane Fisher, our Director of Research. Uh, we're going to have a conversation about what happened in 2021, expectations that we have for 2022, and, and how we feel about the markets overall. Uh, welcome, Jane. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Alex. It's good to be here. Good. I'm, I'm happy to have you here. We're trying to make these more interactive to keep people engaged. Um, what, what would you like to talk about first? Well, I think the first question I have is the team had a spectacular year in 2020 and then underperformed last year for the first time in five years. So the natural question is, what happened? Well, sure. Um, you're absolutely correct. We have a our strategy just to review is to try and create wealth in the equity markets. And the way we go about that is by investing in disruptions. Disruptions are when uh, an industry undergoes a foundational change uh, where to a better, cheaper, faster way of doing things. And once this change occurs, there's a long secular shift to the new ways of doing things because of the efficiencies they provide and because of the productivity gains that can be garnered. This is the creative destruction process in action within our economy. Now, in 2020, uh, many growth companies actually benefited from the pandemic. If you think about things like mobile banking or virtual healthcare or enabling remote workers or e-commerce, all of those companies in some cases were accelerated um, by the pandemic. Their businesses were accelerated. Not so much last year. Last year, um, we saw different kinds of companies start to outperform and growth, while very scarce in 2020, wasn't really scarce in 2021. And so as a pure growth strategy, um, we were able to benefit exponentially in 2020, but 2021 was, was more difficult for growth overall. And as a result, uh, more specifically difficult for us because of the pure growth nature of our strategies. Okay, the S&P was up over 25% last year. So clearly certain areas of the market were working. Um, what worked and would you ever pivot into those areas? Sure. There are two parts. First were, was the growth to value rotation, which is the greatest that we have seen in over 20 years. And it made sense to us that that would happen. Uh, we mentioned growth did particularly well in 2020. In essence, once the vaccinations were approved at the end of 2020 and into 2021, people be began to have visibility on the reopening or uh, at least on the pandemic not being as bad for society. And as a result, we saw lots of companies in travel and leisure and banking and energy and industrials and so forth do well as they were able to sort of come off the floor that they were on in 2020 and then uh, be able to expand their prospects throughout the year as we got a better and better understanding of the pandemic and people started to live their lives a little more regularly. So value in that instance trounced growth across the board. Again, us being pure growth added an additional drag to our strategy's performance on a relative basis. The second part were the mega cap stocks. The largest companies in the S&P made up for most of the return that the S&P was able to put forward last year. Companies like Apple and Microsoft and Amazon, uh, Tesla, you know the names, 
um, the, the largest companies that are out there. Um, we are not invested in those, those companies for a reason. Uh, we believe that over the long run, there's more opportunities uh, for expansion and more, there's more leverage towards a, a growing economy in smaller and mid-cap companies. And so that's where we're invested. At no time would we switch our approach. If anything, we become more ingrained in it. Uh, we're long-term believers that you want to invest in the leaders of major disruptions and that over time, that is where wealth will be created. And in fact, you can see it. Look at the largest companies in the S&P. Um, almost all of them are leaders of are leaders of major disruptions that have occurred over the last few decades, whether they be Home Depot and Walmart for big box stores or Visa and MasterCard for digital payments or Johnson Johnson and Coca-Cola for the globalization of, Amer of American brands. And of course, some of the largest tech companies as well. All of them were leaders of major disruptions and you wanted to invest in them early to allow their growth to play out. That's where we are. We're trying to invest in those companies uh, 20, 30, 40 years ago, uh, with the hopes that that will continue to happen going forward. Okay. Um, what about inflation? It seems to be a topic in every conversation. It's a headline news event. There's lots of hand wringing. What are your current thoughts and when do you think, you know, things will start to abate? Sure. Well, Part of the problem with our economy and many other economies around the world is we close down many industries. Uh, think of something like a cruise line, how hard it is to get that business going again, to hire the people, to get everyone trained, to start new protocols, to bring new people on, to start those things. It's just very, very difficult when you've shut down a business to restart it. And as a result, We've had supply chain issues across the board where people haven't been able to get certain parts for certain things, and that slowed the delivery of certain types of goods um, around the globe. And as a result, we've seen pricing inflect higher. And right now, in fact, inflation numbers are about 7% um, year on year uh, right now from where we were a year, uh, year ago. Now, most economists expect those numbers to come down significantly as we resolve our supply chain issues uh, and as we go through this. But some of the inflation is sticky. Uh, when it comes to labor or rents, um, those are stickier uh, stickier numbers that, that are, are less likely to come down over time. But other parts really are transitory, whether they be things like lumber, which are already down 50%, from the peak, or even autos. Uh, autos made up uh, over 20% of the inflation figure over the last year, most of which is from used car prices, which were up 26% last year. Uh, that's just something that we don't see as sustainable, used car prices going up 26% year after year after year. So um, with, with that notion, we think inflation will be more under control uh, as we go farther out or as we get into the end of 2022 and into 2023. So while it's of note, um, we still just have yields at 1.85% on the 10-year. Uh, those are not runaway yields. Those are not signaling long-term 5, 6, 7% inflation. So therefore, while it's something to monitor, um, we, we're, we don't think that it will upend the disruptions that we're invested in. You mentioned the supply chain. I think there were concerns, especially towards the end of the year, about you know holiday shopping and inventories. 
it seems like many areas have gotten better and certain, certain things have been resolved. Some areas still have work to do, but then there's areas like semiconductors that still seem to be struggling. When do you think things will get better there? Um, and how long will we be dealing with these kinds of shortages? Well, I think we're gonna be having some sort of shortages for the next year or two, uh, particularly on the semiconductor side, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, you're, you're correct on improvement of supply chain already. Uh, we, we all remember uh, empty shelves in the, in the, begin, the beginning of the pandemic. Um, while there's some empty shelves today, there's a lot less empty shelves than there were back then. And many goods have seen an improvement in terms of logistics and transport and delivery and so forth, so that those supply chain issues are being alleviated and not crippling any industry or company or, or economy or, or what have you. Um, there are certain other areas though that are tougher, particularly semiconductors. As we move to a remote workplace, that creates demand for a lot of new co computer peripherals, um, which have a demand for chips in all of them. Uh, we've seen a lot of semiconductor fabs move towards these chips because they're higher margin. And that puts automakers in a tougher spot. The chips that go into cars uh, are, are lower margin. The, the business is not as attractive. So it's unlikely for those semifabs to go back into that business or switch back in. It takes time and, and they wouldn't make as much money. So um, with that said, it, it takes a long time to create a new semiconductor fab. It, it's not a, a very easy thing to do. So dealing with those shortages will probably be another year at least, if not two, when it comes to semiconductors and automobiles. But the, the issues will be resolved. At the end of the day, we always believe that too much demand is a good thing. It, it's better than having too much supply. And uh, we, we think the issues will get resolved. And, and, and those issues and semis, I think, are the toughest. Most other issues, we believe, will be resolved by the end of 2022. I was in Trader Joe's yesterday, and uh, I would say they had about 10% of their inventory. So I asked the person, you know, what happened? My God, are you having this much trouble? You know, or, or is there some apocalypse that I'm not aware of? He goes, eh, the truck's just late. <laughs> no worries. But it was, right. it was shocking. I had never seen it like that. But um, it does seem like things are getting better. Um, the other question, obviously, we get asked all the time is the pandemic. Certainly, I think the team thought, like many people, that things would get better quicker. Nobody anticipated the number of variants. So I do think that there's reasons to be optimistic. Um, it seems like uh, Omicron is uh, giving rise to less hospitalizations than Delta. Certainly, there was a spike in cases, but we're coming down off of that. What do you see going forward with, the, with regard to the pandemic? I think it's really tough. Um, I'm I'm obviously an optimistic person, and uh, I've been been hoping and wishing that the pandemic would go away, pretty much from the moment that it started. Um, clearly, we're getting new variants every few months. Uh, Omicron being the most infectious, the most viral. Uh, although um, you're correct, it's not as debilitating as the Delta variant uh, was before it. So, as I look at that, you know, what does that make me think? Um, on one side, if I wanted to be negative, I could say the pandemic is is here to stay. And the only positive is that we will get better at treating it 
and dealing with the, the issues with vaccinating people, um, all of the different medicines that we have and what, what scientists in the healthcare community will do will at least make us better understand um, the virus uh, over the next year or so. Or if I wanted to be optimistic, I could say, look, this is how pandemics, pandemics end. Typically, these viruses get more and more infectious. They, they in essence, infect uh, enough of the population that we reach some level of herd immunity and we start to see the, uh, the pandemic fade away. I hope that's the case. Most likely, it's in between the two is where we are. But either way, uh, we believe that we'll have a much better handle on the pandemic and COVID overall than we did in 2022, than we did in 2021. The same sort of improvement that we saw from 20 to 21, we should see from 21 to 22 and 22 to 23. So there is a case for optimism out there, absolutely. Speaking of optimism, you have been unwaveringly bullish. Growth names are underperforming to start the year. What do you see, you know, happening this year with the markets and particularly with growth names? Sure. Um, I've been doing this a long time. Uh, I've been in the industry 30 years. I've been on this kind of a portfolio for the last 25 years. Uh, and, and we've gotten hit with all kinds of things over time. Uh, currency crises, uh, long-term capital blowing up, uh, the, the tech wreck, terrorist attacks, uh, wars, the consumer debt bubble collapsing. Um, we've seen all, all kinds of things that, that have happened. And over the long run, we've always seen the leaders of the major growth trends be able to do well and to be able to create more wealth over time. And so while we get hit um, in years like this year and in 2018 and 16 and 14 and 2011, um, we know that, that the markets always revert back to the greatest areas of fundamental strength. So here we are right now, growth, great year in 2020, bad year in 2021, starting off the year uh, negative in the red, uh, certainly I'm sure making people nervous as, as to what will happen. Um, we just know that over the long run, this is how wealth is created. So we, we stick to our guns in that respect. And I, I do think if you look out over the rest of the year, the most important thing that I mentioned was getting a better understanding of the pandemic. That improves the supply chain. That improves the inflation numbers. And I think concern about inflation will come down throughout the year. And, and since we're particularly seeing growth hit on this correlation between uh, growth and, and, and inflation, or growth getting hit while inflation increases, uh, we do think that the prospects of inflation being less aggressive should help out growth stocks as we go through 2022. So uh, certainly a, a nasty correction, a correction that's sort of broadening out into other areas of the market. Um, as we've always said, we can't, we, we don't try to call rotations. We don't try to call corrections. That would be, you know, really just trades for us to try and capture those kinds of moves. We just try and stick to our approach and focus on the long run, knowing that, that this is how we can create wealth for our clients. I think my last question is just from an investment perspective. What changes have you made, whether it be to sectors or industries within the portfolios uh, as we as you rotated through 2020 to 2021 and now that we're heading into 2022? 
Well, to prepare for what we thought would be a more difficult year for growth on a relative basis in 2021, we did lower the uh, reduced positions that were the most extended or the, were the most highly valued um, or, or were companies that were the most volatile. And we did bring sector exposures in to some degree. It wasn't enough. Um, the fact that we had a pure growth approach uh, worked against us throughout this year. As we come into this year, um, you know, I, I should say we don't stand still just because I say we stick to our approach. It's not to say we did, there, there isn't a nuance to it. Um, we've reduced holdings in areas like, like software, as an example, um, to move away from the areas that are most exposed to the drawdown. And we continually try and trim names that underperform, you know, on, on a relative basis uh, within our portfolio. So we, we always have risk controls that are in place, and we're always looking for uh, new investments uh, to move into. I would say the greatest increase in investments that we've had is in the consumer area. That area is, is, is more cyclical, um, which should see a, a, a more of a lift as we start to reopen. Uh, and we have a lot of investments there. Thanks, Alex. Um, we appreciate your insights. And hopefully, um, I'll see you on the next podcast. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Jane. And thank you, everyone, for listening in. Uh, as always, if you have questions, uh, please let us know. Uh, we appreciate you listening in. Have a great day. This recording is intended for financial professionals and institutional investors only. This is not intended for use with the general public. The views expressed in this podcast represent those of the speaker and are subject to change. Nothing presented should be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security or follow any investment technique or strategy and does not constitute advice, an advertisement, an invitation, a confirmation, an offer or a solicitation to engage in any investment activity or an offer of any banking or financial service. Throughout this presentation, various securities and companies are referenced. Examples given are for illustrative purposes only and were not chosen based on performance. This is not a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Investing involves risk, including the possible loss of principal. All examples herein are for illustrative purposes only and there can be no assurance that any particular investment objectives will be realized or any investment strategy seeking to achieve such objective will be successful. Past performance is not a reliable indication of future performance. Before acting on any information, you should consider the appropriateness of it with regard to your particular objectives, financial situation and needs, and seek advice. No representation or warranty, expressed or implied, is made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information, opinions, and conclusions presented. In preparing this recording, reliance has been placed without independent verification on the accuracy and the completeness of all information available from external sources. Macquarie Asset Management is the marketing name for the Asset Management Division of Macquarie Group. Investment products and advisory services are distributed and offered by and referred through affiliates, which include Delaware Distributors LP, a registered broker-dealer and member of the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, and Macquarie Investment Management Business Trust, a Securities and Exchange Commission registered investment advisor. Investment advisory services are provided by a series of Macquarie Investment Management Business Trusts. Other than Macquarie Bank Limited, none of the entities noted in this podcast are authorized deposit-taking institutions for the purposes of the Banking Act of 1959 from the Commonwealth of Australia. The obligations of these entities do not represent deposits or other liabilities of Macquarie Bank Limited. Macquarie Bank Limited does not guarantee or otherwise provide assurance in respect of the obligations of these entities unless noted otherwise.